You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 105, Roger Glover, guest VJ on MTV. And coming to you from the suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry. And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co-host, downtown John Matola. <laughs> There we go. Perfect. <laughs> oh man, I should have. Uh-huh. Okay, I could have done just regular. I could, yeah, I could be regular John Matola. You could be downtown John Matola. Yeah. Well, well you there can't be two of us. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there can only be one. Um, so yeah, well, so there can only be one of me, anyways. This is true. Oh man, what other what other great it's VJs only... were there on MTV? Martha Quinn. I don't know if. The... I don't know if there were any great DJs, but um, <laughs> John's like there was, was never the ones any that I remember. Great... <laughs> you know, good... I mean, you know, you had her with her friggin' Saved by the Bell clothing that she wore all the time, big floppy hats and shit. Um, who, Martha Quinn? Well, so I remember uh, Kurt Kurt Loader. He was Kurt a Loader. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you? Oh, never you liked have... him. What, what didn't you like about him? He was too like squeaky clean. Know, he was like, always like he's like a businessman. No. He... No, it was just like he always like he did the MTV news. You remember him? Yeah, yeah, I remember. He'd be like, "This is MTV news," and he was always like, "I don't know how old he was back then." He always seemed like he was like in his forties, but he was probably probably was. I don't know why that he was. But he always I think this, he just like, turned like, like seventy five or something recently. He's he's he was. Oh shit! Yeah, I mean he oh, was. Maybe he was back then. You know he. Seemed, how old is he? Yeah, yeah, he was born. Yeah, he's seventy five. About that. Yeah, it was kind of like one of those guys like Coverdale who like even back in the 80s, you were just like, is he like 40? And where everybody else you thought they were like, you know, in their 20s or 30s anyway. But mm-hmm. he just always it wasn't because he was squeaky clean. That was um, who was that other guy? That poser. Um, <laughs> poser. The guy with the long hair. Um, the long hair. Oh, Adam something. Adam Curry. Adam. <laughs> Adam, Adam Curry wasn't a poser. I think so. Was it Adam Curry? No. Oh, I mean, it was Adam. Was poser, Adam Curry right? was like, a guy. Yeah, when, Do you remember when Scott was on MTV? Talking wait a minute. Was it him? I don't. I mean, I don't think he was a poser. That was him. Yeah. No, I think it was like. Well, no, it was when he tried to host Headbangers Ball, and everybody was like, "Well, he ori- yeah. he originated you know, he Headbangers like Ball." He, but he, I don't know. He never. He never seemed like. He seemed like he had, like he had like kind of the look, but he was kind of like the, I don't know, for lack of <laughs> lack of a better reference, he was like the winger of the Headbangers Ball. It's like, <laughs> eh, this guy is kind of like, I don't know. Now I'm throwing out stereotypes because I actually don't hate winger. But um, who, who was I talking about before? Yeah, Kurt Loder. He just had this like arrogance about him. Yeah. Like he would just be like, so anyways, you know, and then um, Kiss released a new album. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh screw you you piece of shit with that stuff you know he's just like he was always just like the the rolling stone of mtv mm-hmm. i never liked him and he him and his like opinionated self um 
And who else was there? Ricky Rackman. Ricky Rackman, yeah. The Reverend Ricky Rackman. He was the he was the next host of the Headbangers Ball, which everybody like I think he was the real deal and that everybody thought he was a poser because he was just like, I don't know. I think it was because he was just never depressing. He was always just like he was in a this good mood. Happy go lucky to kind of guy. Yeah, because he was in a good mood. He wasn't brooding. Oh, was everybody a poser? He was I mean, an old metal. There was some um yeah. I remember, I remember <laughs> Adam Curry Scott called up when he used to host, I guess it was like the the yep. uh, grandfather of, the of TRL, right? whatever, it ended up becoming TRL was was he originated that show. And Scott called up and requested right. um which I have the video somewhere. Uh he requested uh, live live I wire. Remember, yeah. Which you could tell like Adam Curry was excited about because everyone else at the time was just calling in and requesting like Belle Biv DeVoe and everything. So he was just playing all that. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, Scott calls and requests a song from eight years earlier or whatever. And he was like, whoa. So he he played that. It was pretty cool. Yeah. From like, yeah, classic Motley Crue. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, I grew up with like late, mid to late 80s VJs. So it was like those guys. Um, who else was on there? That was when Paulie Shore was getting. Back. I don't know if he was really a VJ, but he was like no, all yeah. over MTV at the time. Yeah, what was it? He was like totally, totally Paulie. He was like a hanger on, but he wasn't really a VJ. I remember Adam Curry. He he said when Scott. No, he when, was like had a show when Scott called. He said he where he was, he was from Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and Adam Curry said something like, "Oh yeah, my my um." My my grandmother was born and raised there, and I never knew how to pronounce it. And I was just like, he's he's got to be full of crap, right? So I had emailed him a few times, but he never responded to me, just to see like, hey, is your grandmother really from Winsocket? That seems very unusual. But he didn't he didn't say it in like a like you busting chops way. Maybe maybe he was doing it. I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, anyway, if you want to help support the Deep Purple podcast and get us out of this whatever tailspin of talking about MTV VJs. Um, you can do so a number of ways. One is leaving us a five-star mm-hmm. review on Apple Podcasts. Two, buy merch on our Etsy store. Three, you can become a patron on Patreon or via PayPal by as little as $1 a month. Help to support the show. Uh, the, the cost the cost of half of a cup of coffee or a third of a cup of coffee at, at Coffee Bucks. You can donate that money monthly to the Deep Purple Podcast and help us to... Uh, buy albums and things to review and all that sort of stuff. So definitely check it out. The links to all that are in the show notes. And I, I learned through talking with Rich today that he, he was saying he didn't see the thing in the show notes, but he was just looking in Spotify. Guys, deeppurplepodcast.com. I never really talk about it. I never really say it on the show, but we deeppurplepodcast.com every week. Anything we reference, any pictures we talk about, um, any links to YouTube videos are all in those show notes. So, um, yeah, there'll be some basic show notes in your podcast feed or in Spotify or whatever, but the real nuts and all the notes and juicy information is all at deeppurplepodcast.com. So if you haven't checked that out yet, check it out. It's a great, great website if I do say so myself. Um, and speaking of patrons, we want to start, as we always do, by thanking our executive level patrons at the $20 Shades of Deep Pockets tier, Ryan M. At the $15 Highball Shooter tier, Alan ain't too proud to beg. At the Turn It Up to $11 tier, we have Frank Teelgard Mortensen, Clay Wambacher, and Mikkel Steen. And at the $10 Someone Came tier, Steve Seaborg of NameOnAnything.com and AllTheWorldsOfStage.net, Jeff Bryce. Gerald Kelly and Victor Campos, thank you to all of you for your continued support of the show. 
And on to our, I'm very excited about this, on to our, our uh, social media stuff. And I, f- I, I, I was messing around today and I sent Scott Haskin an email because I figured out, I found this little plugin on our website uh, that I can put it in and it will aggregate all the, the reviews from all the different countries for Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. All right. So instead of having to go to each individual one. So that was cool. So the first thing I did was scroll down to one f- from a country I don't think we've covered yet. And this one comes from September 13th of 2020 from Denmark. Vix Steen, mm. five stars. The title, Perfect Strangers Purple Podcast. Strangers was in parentheses there. So um, all the way from Denmark. And yes, spreading the word over here constantly because this is a bloody awesome podcast. Very interesting, clever, funny hosts, stories, reviews, etc. So you never lose attention. I had a small problem in the beginning with the low audio during the songs, but I see and hear the point now. Plus, it makes me play the records really loud uh, after end episode. Thanks a lot, guys. Keep up the good work and let me know if you're coming to Denmark. Then you can stay in my flat and we can all go to Jesus Christ Superstar Nuts. Burn! And he's got the little like. ASCII metal uh, horns. So thank you, Vic Steen. Appreciate it. it. And uh, I actually got another another comment, or maybe it's for the Q&A section later, but someone mentioning the low audio. But I I assume whenever I hear that, that somebody starting at the beginning listened to that. It took us a, you know, we were constantly tweaking the audio. And uh, by now we kind of got it down to a science with having the audio kind of at a good at a good place. Someone say, how come the audio is so low when you're talking so we've 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 corrected that i think quite a bit so in the recent episodes it should sound pretty good um okay so this week we were going to do something a little different and you and i were talking we had like the basically the next five weeks mapped out but there was just a big question mark as to what the heck we were going to do today we've got you know yeah i know and we just couldn't figure it out you had a busy week i had a sort of busy week and we were trying to figure it out and at the last minute, we're just like, hey, let's just do this. So basically what we're doing, um, as you guessed from the title, is there's in 1987, Roger Glover was a guest VJ on MTV. What does that mean? Well, he was basically, they followed him around with a camera, bothered him. He acted annoyed um, that they were following him <laughs> around. And he got to introduce videos and stuff. So it's, you know, it's like, it's an he wasn't being real jerk. He was just, you know, he's pretending to be annoyed by the camera following him around and stuff. So um, it's something that's been out there, obviously, for a while since 87 and it's kind of a fun little glimpse into that era glimpse into that era of mtv um back when they used to play music (laughs) you have to make that obligatory joke um or else it doesn't count but yeah you know uh mtv is a very different animal now than it was back then and i don't know looking at this kind of era of mtv is always kind of or any tv really but especially mtv it's fun because it was so low budget you know, yeah. it, was, it, it just reminded me of like cable access almost. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you had a lot of the like, if you go back and you look at any of those segments, um, I mean, you'll see like any guest VJs, um, uh, Motley Crue um, did it for a while. Like, um, um, I think um, maybe Paul Stanley, uh, the Bullet Boys, like there are just some off the top of my head that I've seen mm-hmm. like clips of in the recent years and everything. And when you see it, it is like with the the background screen and the guys hanging around like on the couch and everything. Yeah. It just, it does <laughs> seem like a public access show now, um, which really makes you think like, wow, that was, you know, that was like a big, it was a big deal by like, you know, 87, because I mean, even though it had already come been out for like 
a few years. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, maybe in, in comparison to what we thought it was, you know, lower budget, but. Well, it seemed lower budget and, and just like less professional, less polished. It was just yeah, very, polished, yeah. you know, the, the, the people doing like, they do these little bits and skits and things and they just be so badly done <laughs> you know what i mean but it was but, just them having fun yeah you know? it had it had a charm to it that it wasn't it wasn't a bunch of like professionals it was kind of l- low low-key but um but yeah so we're gonna take a look at that um this is basically this video and of course the link are in the show notes at deeperpropodcast.com and you can watch the whole thing yourself but uh this is you know I, what we'll do is we'll play it and we'll we'll, we'll pause in between the little segments um just to kind of see you know, re, re, recap what we're seeing here um, and kind of what was going on at the time. And this, oh, it's it's worth noting that this was right before they were about to play Wembley, I think, in 87. So this is kind of the lead up to that. And I guess it was kind of a good cross promotion between the band and MTV and all that. So what you'll, that's what you're going to kind of see when you, when you get into this. So that makes sense. Um, and like I said, if you want to, Check it out in its full entirety without us mooks talking, uh, talking between it. You can go to it's it's posted on the actual official Deep Purple YouTube channel, so you can check it out there. But oh, but it looks like it's just nice. a VHS transfer. Maybe somebody had sent them because I think they posted it. I don't know, not not that long ago, ten years ago or or something. So, mm-hmm. all right. So should I just should I crank it up full volume and then we'll 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 just stop it when we need to. In between yeah. the segments, yeah, okay. And our 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 uh, compressors will cut out the audio if we decide to talk in it anyway. So, um, oops, here we go. We'll start it off. Here it is. Roger Glover, guest VJ. Quiet, everyone. Listen. Okay, shut up. <laughs> this is an MTV feature presentation. <laughs> Look at that graphic. Drum set. <laughs> Tonight's guest VJ Hour is brought to you by Michelob. The Saved by the Bell background. And Nestle's Crunch Ice Cream Bar. You know, television, like most forms of entertainment, is kind of an illusion. Sometimes, though, the illusion doesn't hold up. The viewer sees behind the process into what the business of media gathering is all about. Now, when this happens, reactions can range from nice shirt to downright delirium. When MTV sent a camera crew to London to try and capture the elusive group Deep Purple in their hometown, we knew the odds of success were slim. You see, Deep Purple, they don't do things like guest VJs. Nevertheless, our video gorilla stormed the shores of the Thames and armed with just a pocket full of bribes, managed to come back with the following. Let's take a look. <laughs> what the? He like, so he, he said, let's take a look. And he just like kind of looked all cross-eyed off into the distance. I think that was just yeah, like, that's weird. I think it was just like one of those, like we talked about uh, unscripted, low budget joke sort of things so here we are there's a big uh, inexplicably a big gong on the on 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 the banks of the thames with the big ben in the background to really to really drive home where they are so here here we go Okay, so room service is rolling up to 
a hotel room, and I wonder who's going to be inside. Hmm. May I come in? May I come in, sir? Room service. Good morning, sir. This is a room inventory of MTB, sir. What? Look, just do not disturb it. Yes, sir. MTV? MTV, sir. Uh, that's the first bribe. Yeah, I know. Okay, you better come in. This is Call of the Wild. Thank you for nothing. Thank you, sir. So he just said, this is, so he's wheeling in this, this Gary doll with food, and, and he absentmindedly says, this is Call of the Wild, because he's introducing the Call of the Wild video, which we're, we'll see the first few seconds of, but the videos are mostly cut out. No. The band's not coming. What do you mean they're not coming? Deep Purple does not do video. Well, what do you want me to do? Go out in the streets and drag people in to do the video without them? I can't do that. Be my guest. So I think they might actually play the full video of this, but... <laughs> which I think we could probably save that for our House of Blue Light... Um, yeah. <laughs> episode. I'll have to probably skip ahead to get through the video, but so far we're seeing the um the hallmarks of an early MTV production here of of uh low budget humor, low budget uh set uh you know, you got this Fernando, the 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 room service guy who's clearly not an employee of the hotel, but is just um <laughs> some guy they named Fernando and had him roll up with the food, so um, yeah, but it's interesting that video is something uh, I would love to cover one day because it's it is kind of along the lines of what we're looking at with this um, this guest uh, this guest VJ thing is mm -hmm. the whole thing of Deep Purple doesn't do videos or they don't want to. I think previous to this they'd only had the video for Perfect Strangers, but that was one of those things where I think they had people kind of filming while they were making the record or, or doing whatever and then they just kind of stitched that all into a video so it might be shots of them playing soccer shots of them around a table some shots mm -hmm. of them in the studio laughing around joking around but it wasn't for the intention of actually making a video but management probably forced them to make to put out a video because they had to so kind of the same with this where it's just like it's kind of i guess it's a good position to be in if you're deep purple you can say um okay if you want us on your thing you got to do it by our terms and that means I'll do a few lame little bits with you, but I'm going to be here at this time. Um, meet me here, you know, and, and I'll, I'll give you, <laughs> I'll give you the minimum effort <laughs> and uh, move on to my other things. And th there was a great episode of, uh, did you see that Mick Wall had that uh, podcast about Richie Blackmore the other day? It's like last week. Oh. He was just talking about a time when he, like he went to go interview Ricky, R Ricky, <laughs> Richie, um, <laughs> And about how he was supposed he was supposed to have this phone interview with him, but Richie only wanted to do it in person. So he had he like flew to America to do it, and Richie didn't show up, and he had to take like, all this all this crazy stuff. But it was basically kind of the same thing, right? Where it's just like he's like, "You're gonna do it. You're gonna do it by my terms." Um, wow. And it was it's a very very funny. You know, I'll have to put up. Let me put a note here to put a link in the show notes to that. I shared it on social media last week, but um, very. Very funny, and and he Mick spins a really interesting story and makes it. And it's hilarious hearing him tell it. Um, 
just about all the <laughs> the trials and tribulations he went through to get this interview. Uh, but it sounds like that was kind of the thing, you know, like, like they're not almost not even, they're kind of being unapologetic about it too. They're just like, if you want me to do this thing, I'll do it. But I'm not going out of my way to do it. You know, you're coming to me mm-hmm. and you're doing it under my terms, which is kind of cool. So anyway, back to the the end of this video where we have a, a little person holding Richie Strat. Well, let's face it, that's probably not Richie Strat. Um, it's probably a, a a loner. But here's the end of the video with. At all. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're in downtown London here. And you don't need me to be a guest VJ either. But you got champagne. Yeah, well, I'm, I'll, actually, now you're talking my language. That's not bad. Well, I gotta tell you one thing. <laughs> in London, we got a gig tonight at Wembley, all my family's coming, probably a lot of family that I didn't even know I had is coming. <laughs> um, I don't want to be bothered all day, right, with you guys following me around, so uh, here's a little bit, right, here's some commercials for you. All right. <laughs> so I guess he was just introducing commercials. <laughs> So it looked like he was, I guess he was in his room at the hotel, but it almost looked like a restaurant, but he's enjoying some room service with some, a bottle of champagne and some food and everything and oh, continue and continuing the act or maybe partial act of being annoyed that he has to do this. Yeah. I feel like, um, around this time that was the popular thing to do, um, is just be like, ugh, interviews, you know, like, <laughs> like, cause, um, um, it, it really reminds me of the, um, uh, in the same year it came out was the Kiss Exposed video. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which the whole thing on that was like the quote-unquote uncensored yeah. look into like Kiss's quote-unquote home, you know, where they all yeah. lived together. And it was all like this this like slapstick comedy. And the whole thing started off with like the, the cameraman coming to the door and Paul Stanley comes to the door and he's like, oh, oh man, oh, the interview's today? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. It's just like, yeah, yeah, come on in, come on in, you know? And he's like, you know, pretending to just have woken up and everything. And he's like, oh, I ignore all the the clothes on the floor. And, you know, just like that whole like fake being bothered thing. Yeah, and yeah. It's like, I, I don't know what was up with that in the 80s. Maybe that whole, um, you know, uh, just trying to portray the we're a busy, famous rock band type thing. Um, I, I think like, you know what? Motley Crue did the same thing. They had a... um. I can't remember the name of it now, like Motley Crue Uncensored or something. They had like a a thing where, um, yeah. do you remember that video? Tommy Lee was riding on a motorcycle and they were like interviewing him like while he was like driving down like uh, the Sunset Strip or whatever. And they started off the whole thing going to Vince Neil's quote unquote house. And he did the same thing. He came to the door and he's like, oh man, who are you? The, the camera crew? You it know, was, and it's it was like, Motley Crue Uncensored. And there, isn't there like the one where he's in the back, there's like a hot tub in the back of a limo. And he's yeah. in the hot tub with like, like I the think topless they're topless. Yeah, the top. Because I'd seen <laughs> that when I was a kid and been like, "Holy crap, what is this?" I don't yeah. remember and where would, we got it or how we got it, but we we watched it and it was like, "Yeah, it was so." Yeah, it seems so scandalous at the time, but it would probably seem exactly like this now, which is just this, you know, this really uh, unrehearsed bad acting sort of thing. Yeah, bad boy. The director's like, here's what we're going to do in this scene. You're going to be in the back of the car with the ladies. They're not going to have any shirts. You're going to act like this is going on and this is crazy. Yeah, whatever. And they just kind of one-taked it all and and that was it. And I mean, some of it was probably real. They were just like, all right, you're going to get in the hot tub with these broads, okay? They're not going to have any tops on. And he's just like, okay, like twist my arm. And um, All right, anything for the scene. (laughs) 
You know, I think they had like uh, they were interviewing like Mick Mars and his Corvette. You know, it's yeah. like they were, you know, they were like kind of showing off like different things. Like, you know, I have a motorcycle, I have a Corvette, I have a big house. Like, I'm I'm tired all the time. Like, I can't be bothered. Yeah. Like, you know, that type of so. The, and those were the two that I would watch like all the time because they were like I thought at the time that they were real. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That it was like totally unscripted, and this is how they live because you know it was all marketing. They were portraying that thing like um, it was almost like the early uh, like ancestor of Cribs, what Cribs became, which is semi, yeah, yeah. you know, semi real. Although I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Cribs, but it's one of those things that's so like ingrained in like our culture that you know about it even if you haven't seen it. But it it seems to me from what I know of that show, which is admittedly kind of just that it well, exists, I think is it's like Cribs showing was this a little more this excess and everything, but it's also not. You know, you could tell it's kind of phony at the same time. But I think MTV Cribs was like a little more gracious. They were just like, oh, hey, yeah. come into my home. Yeah, this is my media room where these guys are just like, oh, oh you, who, who's this? We are here already. You know, it's like, give me a break with that stuff. Yeah, exactly. But it was like, it was so cool. I bought into it. And I was um, I was actually talking to some of my my family members about it recently. And I'm like, man, you guys fell for that stuff like hook, line, and sinker. And, and like, I think it was my, my parents were like, what are you talking about? I'm like, that whole thing with like, you know, the bands I used to like, like Ozzy and Motley Crue, like yeah. being devil worshipers and the flaming oh, yeah, pentagrams yeah. and the makeup and everything. That was all marketing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, these guys didn't like go home and like friggin' sleep in coffins and like, you know, <laughs> read from the, the book of Satan and everything like that. It was just like, they were, I mean, you know, the, the drinking and, and stuff was real oh, because sure. it's just like what 20 somethings aren't going to like be on tour and go crazy. But yeah. I mean, it's like the whole image that went with it was just all designed to make kids our age at the time, uh, just like in a different way that they're, you know, doing sensationalized stuff now to, to be like, wow, this is awesome. And to have the, the square parents just be like, no, oh, I don't want you to watch that, you know, well, yeah, and then it makes yeah. you want to see it even more, which is exactly what it did to me. And, you know, it's. It worked. <laughs> yeah, you make make the parents not want to, the kids to watch it. Guaranteed success. <laughs> exactly. And what are you going to do in the mid '80s? You're going to do that. You're going to put on, you know, stuff like this. Like, may people seem like even like Roger Glover. You just see him like in this this excess of like this this suite in London before this huge show, and he's like, oh, I can't be bothered, but I guess I'll introduce a commercial. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> you're just like, wow, he's got to be awesome gonna be so awesome. even though he's not he's not wearing like any well he's he's roger glover so he's wearing like a sweatshirt that's got like a i don't know sports team on it or something he's not he's not dressed like the rocker with the leather I mean, he never has he doesn't he doesn't have like this like affected yeah. sort of personality or or look to him he's just that's probably what roger glover would have been wearing that day you know yeah anyway let's let's get back to it after these after these commercials let's see what happens Back on the street here. Not a happy man, you know. You hound me. I know you're going to hound me all day. But it's very nice of you to give me this Daimler limousine. This is the kind of uh, car that royalty waves from. And I'm kind of enjoying it. This is London. It's great. Great to be back. However, they've been asking me to introduce the next video. Which is... By the way, before I say this, we're on our way to Kensington Market now. And I hope... In fact, I'm going to tell you now, I don't want you in Kensington Market because I'm going to do a bit of shopping. And so stay out of my life, all right? <laughs> this is Van Halen. <laughs> of both worlds. <laughs> so then they go into the Van Halen video. But 
It's great. He's he's in the back. He's like, oh, I'm in my Dymo limousine here. He's he's um he's actually even plugging the brand name of the limousine. So, oh, I love how like I don't know. I just love that like everything that I've ever heard about Roger Glover is he's such a nice guy, and it's yeah. just like I love how he's just like pretending to be a dick. <laughs> He's like, like, well, I want, want you out of my life. <laughs> yeah, just stay. I'll introduce this video and get out of my life. It's like I just, I'm not, I'm not buying it <laughs> nah. because it's like he's not a jerk. <laughs> it's like you're just like you could. To- I mean, I don't know, like what people thought when this aired. I mean, I don't know if anybody knew that much about him, but it's just like, yeah, no. Well, and you got to figure this is in America too, where just Deep Purple was not quite at the same level as in in the uk or they had been previously um so uh but yeah it's an interesting uh interesting little snapshot here let's see what happens after this van halen segment sammy hagar doing a nice little dance all right now now they're now we're going into a pub it looks like Looks like a cool place. I'd go there. All right. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so it's not a it's not a pub. It's like it's like he's looking at clothes like a, a gold jacket. It doesn't look like a clothes store, though. Maybe it's some sort of fancy boutique, but the camera snuck up on Roger, uh, which has caused him to say, oh, Jesus. So let's see. Snuck up. Snuck up. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't see him coming. Him. He never knew they were coming. So let's see what he says now. <laughs> I've had enough of this. I'm warning you. I mean, enough is enough, all right? See ya. Go away. They're still following him. <laughs> So they didn't even introduce anything there. I guess the, they probably just put these as like bumpers in between all the videos throughout the course of the day. And that was just him not even introducing anything. But it's funny to, think to think that they're like, listen, we're, we're going to send this camera crew to you, Roger. We have we have very few ideas. Just do whatever the hell you want to do. If you're going to be in the back of a cab, whatever. Um. But it didn't sound like they had a lot to like there. were. I, I, if at the end of this, there's credits, I don't think there's going to be a, a lot of people in the scriptwriter category because um, it's mostly just, you know, like, hey, go and be inside of a store and say, go away. You know, it's not very inspired stuff, but fun nonetheless. I think it would be funny if they had like 10 people <laughs> under the writing credits. They probably will. Yeah, it took so many people to come up with this great material. You just like reading it. You're like. Kurt Vonnegut? <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's see where, wow. where it goes next. Directed by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> Again. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Were they allowed to say that in the 80s? Yeah, you so what's happening now? Maybe I'll buy you a drink. Maybe you'll buy me a drink. In that case, maybe I'll introduce Steve Winwood, finer things. Huh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's twice in a row. It's just they come up on him. He's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. You could say that in the mid 80s on like uh, on uh, public TV. 
on uncensored TV. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess you could. You, I guess if you're Roger Glover, the rules don't apply to you. Like, oh, Jesus, you scared me. Here's a Van Halen video. <laughs> oh, the concept is just so, uh, it's so great. It's just well, so amusing. It's funny, the concept is not great, but the execution is. Like, it's, it's just fun seeing, I mean, I, I would have loved to just be there for the day hearing, just seeing Roger Glover's reactions to all this and just. Like like you said, like he's he's universally beloved. I've never heard anyone say, "Oh, this guy was difficult" or anything. He's just you know he's all by all accounts a great guy, and um, you know I'm sure I'm sure they they probably had a blast with him that day, just hanging out and oh, yeah. doing this and <laughs> doing this, which seems like very little work because they, I'm sure they had to transport a bunch of equipment around. But like I said, they weren't really sweating the details with, "Oh, we got guys, we got to get this perfect. This has got to be like really dialed in." It's like, uh, guys, what's my motivation? It's like, I want you to be pissed and dismissive all day. <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, here we go. All right, so now we're at a, what looks like a nice little restaurant with a fireplace in it and a bunch of British businessmen-looking chaps sitting around the table. Mm-hmm. Picture of the queen. Now there's Roger and there's the, the, the bartender in the foreground polishing some some glasses and there's Roger in the in the background drinking a pint out of a similar glass to what I'm drinking right now. See what Roger has to say. I, I like I can you do that at a bar can you like just go oh no hey I'll have another pint they're paying for it and just point to somebody <laughs> like just well, you can if they're really... walking around with a video camera annoying you yeah I guess that's true <laughs> it's like, oh no I think that's the that's the law um I'll say though that like the um it's it's pretty cool though because in um uh, I mean I don't um uh, I don't know a lot about um uh, a lot about England London um, I've, I've so, been. um, yeah, I know you've been a long time, um, but ago. <laughs> I mean, I haven't even seen like a, a lot of videos or whatever, but it's just like, I like seeing the, um, just the, uh, even though they're very brief, like the visuals, like the, the, the clothing, the boutique story went into the pub. Mm -hmm. It's just really cool. You know, you get the sense of like, um, uh, the, the place where he was at, even though that, you know, uh, probably wasn't the intention like we said there was no big cinematic plan or anything behind it but just seeing kind of like the um you know the everyday you know where they were going he was probably just like yeah we'll just go to these regular places around everything so it was neat to see just um just like the um uh, the city and where he was going um you know it must have been different for like you said there you know weren't as big um, over here. So I'm sure that, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are watching this and just being like, oh, wow. Okay, cool. Like a different place, you know, somewhere like overseas, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I had gone, so that's kind of a cool background part to it. I'd only been to London once, but Paul and I went for like three weeks when we were teenagers 
and it was you right. Know, how, I remember when you went. How old were we? Uh, like, like fifteen. Were you maybe? high school? Yeah, fifteen. I think fifteen. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think I remember that. Yeah, it, w- it would have been only a few years after this. You know, yeah. it was the early early nineties, and um, yeah, it looked. You know, obviously we weren't spending much time in pubs or anything, but we were spending most of our time completely spo- like <laughs> just wasting the experience, like eating at Burger King, and uh, we we went to see them. We went to the movies like twice. We went to go see Jurassic Park, uh, and. Was there another movie hmm. we went to go see? But I just remember thinking, like, maybe this isn't the best use of our time in London, seeing a movie we can easily see back home. <laughs> but uh, I know, right? But yeah, it was uh, it was a blast. Um, I, and I've always wanted to go back. And here it is almost 30 years later, and I still have not. So there you go. But here we are. We've got some cars on the street the outside some sort of building that probably people familiar with London would know. Let's see where where they where they uh, ambush Roger next. I'm going back to the hotel now. Got to get ready for a gig tonight. It's an important gig, Wembley. London is one of the worst audiences in the world, one of the most critical audiences in the world. And I don't want you putting me off, okay? I mean, just stay out of my life. However, don't get away. <laughs> Stay out of my life. However, don't go away. So many, so many mixed messages. Yeah, he's so many mixed messages. Yep. <laughs> I love how he's like he he just like he he like loathes the cameraman so much that he's not just like leave me alone, just get out of my yeah, life. Out of my, I don't want to have anything to do with <laughs> you. I said like he's like, oh, we're playing we're playing Wembley tonight, London, one of the worst audiences in the world. <laughs> That's usually not what rock stars say when they get on stage. <laughs> All right, London. <laughs> You know what thing about London? One of the worst audiences in the world. Woo! You suck. You suck. Really buttering them up for a show. <laughs> this is one from our new album. <laughs> All right. All right. So deep purple up in lights there. Oh, there's John Lord walking by. Oh wow. Backstage here, there's Ian Gillen. <laughs> there's Ian Gillen with a very, uh, <laughs> very nice jacket, nice kind of plaid jacket. He's saying he hasn't got time. AC. The pace doesn't have time for the cameras. This. So Roger has um, Roger has has Colin Hart remove the cameraman. Now this guy says thinks he knows Deep Purple, and he's um, he's <laughs> he's getting them. Uh, he, I don't know who this guy is, but he, he's he's holding a beer, and he says he says he, he's saying he's going to show them someone. So let's see. Richie, he positively will do this. There's no problem. Come on, he's not hard to do. We'll, we'll do this now. He's going to get him in to see Richie. Richie, it's Don. We're going to do that MTV guest VJ thing now. I talked to you about. Wow. So there's Richie wearing no pants and some like red, <laughs> red underwear <laughs> bouncing a soccer ball. He's wearing red, 
red bikini briefs. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually surprised. I thought that I thought that they were. I thought the way this was going was is that they were going to knock on the door and Roger Glover was going to come out or something, and he, or or like he just wouldn't answer the door at all. Like Richie wouldn't consent to even like being part of any of this. Yeah. So to to see that he showed up first of all, and second of all, in a pair of, a pair of <laughs> bikini underwear is just like even more disturbing. So, yeah, he, like I'm shocked right now. Yeah, he comes up, but he's yeah. This is this is I think the last we'll see of Richie. But let's see. So so he hands the guy a pair of boots and asks him to shine them and then goes back inside. <laughs> now this is he says the rest of the band's next door. And from what I understand, this is kind of typical of how Deep Purple did travel. Richie had his own separate dressing room and the band was all together in another room because Richie likes liked his kind of solitude before a show. So it's probably fairly um the fact that he would even entertain this right before a show is actually pretty interesting because I know he doesn't really like to yeah. be bothered. All right, like, so, here, here's my here's my pointy boots and make sure they have my pilgrim hat blocked. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's the here's the main dressing room. That's great. <laughs> they're they're like pretending to be all annoyed. It's like, ah, oh, we're not doing any of that. If you want to see anything, why don't you watch Peter Gabriel? <laughs> they cut to a Peter Gabriel video. <laughs> He didn't say what song it was. I would. I, it would be interesting to see if somebody's got the um, unfiltered oh one that actually has the full videos in it, because they have the beginning of the videos in some of the songs. But it's great to have the yeah. have uh, John, John, Ian Pace, and Ian Gillen all all ushering them out and being annoyed. I'm like, I'm just kind of wondering, like, if if you if you were like younger watching this, and you know, Deep Purple is already considered, you know. Uh, an older band or a classic band at that mm -hmm. point. Um, and you're watching this and you think like we did at the time that stuff like this was real. I wonder why they would, they would go with the whole like acting like jerks theme. You know what I mean? It's to, because I mean, if I, if I saw this when I was a kid, I would just be like, God, these guys are douchebags. Why well, don't even like that? Yeah, I mean, I think you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I think for like kids, like for like if we were like ten year olds, maybe we would be kind of. Uh, and my son's always telling me, I can't tell if when you're being sarcastic or not. Um, seems kind of obvious to me, but so, but I'm sure if they were like fifteen year olds or even your twenty year olds would be watching MTV at this point, it's kind of obvious that they're yeah. not being that way you know but i think if yeah if you were really young you'd be like oh man deep purple was my favorite know, group and they're all a bunch of jerks kind of wondering you know <laughs> well yeah i'm just wondering if anybody it would be interesting to 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 just wonder like if anybody got that from this at the time or uh, just not knowing what we know now that this stuff was all you know um kind of off the cuff or like scripted or the whole idea was is just like oh just act like really annoyed and yeah introduce videos like it's it's just kind of a, a weird concept to me i think yeah i mean i guess it depends you on know, the age rather you were than like you know 
when you when you saw it. Like I I was I don't know. I just uh, I watched I a lot of MTV around this time. I don't recall seeing this when it actually aired. I probably wouldn't have. But I you know I was you know watching MTV mm. for whatever videos I wanted to watch at the time. But I probably wouldn't have really thought much of it. I don't know. I mean, I guess like my older self now would be like a cooler concept for this would have been to do like a like a kind of a storytellers type of thing. You know, they're following them around and like, yeah, yeah, follow us. This is this is backstage or this is my favorite pub or whatever. Or just tell them like a couple of quick stories before, you know, uh, introducing a video. You know? Well, maybe it, it could have stemmed from like we we would like to do something like that. And the band's like, listen, we're playing Wembley. It's a big deal. We don't have that much time. But if you want to pop in, we'll do a few little quick skits with you. That's the best we can do. And then they came up with like the narrative being they're annoyed by us <laughs> and just filmed a few quick things rather than having Ian Gillen sit down and be like, oh, yeah, the, the, the here's the. You know what I was really thinking about when I wrote Call of the Wild or whatever. They, they instead went with this. Well, no, not even that. No, not even that. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the same, giving the same amount of screen time, the same amount of time for all the bits, but like not in depth or anything, but just kind of like a little more welcoming. Like they, they knock on the door yeah. and they, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, Ian, Ian, um, Ian uh, Pacey and, and, and Lauren are all like, yeah, come on in, have a seat, you know, uh, have a pint, you know, this is, this is where we hang out before the show. Yeah. And by the way, here's Peter Gabriel. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. I suppose same, maybe same the level, whole, same level of just ever, like uh, maybe they just didn't think it would be as hilarious yeah, same, yeah, as exactly. this. Is. <laughs> this is just a, a laugh well, a I minute think with that. It. If if they did like following Roger around and doing that whole thing, but then keeping Richie just being like, "Yeah, here, shine my boots," and then slamming <laughs> the door in his face, that would have been yeah. funny because you just would have been like this whole thing, and then Richie is still portrayed as like being difficult. But um, I'm, that's just like overthinking it but i mean then again we are dedicating a whole episode to it so i mean that would be you know i, I don't think it really is in yeah. this case um overthinking it but um but yeah i mean i guess like what we were saying before is the whole bothered rock stars type of motif was a thing back then so maybe that's where they were going with it yep could be all right let's see what happens next now here they are on stage doing what you're uh now i guess maybe there was pre-show jitters okay after the show ian gillen is very hospitable okay welcome welcoming you to join them for a drink so. okay all right see and i mean i'm saying this from having never seen these these clips before so yep. um maybe i was wrong see it's turning it around let's see where it goes from here are they gonna play the video Oh yeah, they're playing the they're playing the whole video of bad attitude next, so we'll skip through that. But um, so yeah, I think right after that they go through the whole video. The video ends, and then we're gonna get to kind of the last little segment here. 
mind doing videos and doing things for TV people. You know, we're really quite nice guys and we don't have that bad an attitude. <laughs> so Ian bases the end, gives away the secret and looks like he's going to punch the camera afterwards. Maybe the whole thing was the lead up to bad attitude. You know? Hmm. All right. All right. I mean, that's 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 a stretch to say that they had a plan at all, but uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. kind of worked out if you think about it. <laughs> I think they kind of came to the same like realization over the course of the day that you did, which is like, hey, wait a second. Do we really want to portray ourselves like this? Maybe at the end we should do a little disclaimer that we're not actually assholes. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was um, that was fun, though. I'd never um, I'd never seen that. So it's yeah, like I said, it's something I stumbled upon relatively recently, but I, I even though I never saw it in the time or like I said, if I had seen it, I wouldn't have known who the hell Deep Purple were anyway. So it would have just went right over my head. But it to me, it reminds me of so many other crappy uh, unscripted low budget things that I saw on MTV around that time that I, I can feel like the nostalgia for it, even though yeah. it's kind of new to me it's kind of a fun sort yeah, of yeah. Uh, sort of little thing that they do there so um for, yeah because the, the the period and the concept are very um much in the uh the time that we were getting into music and watching mtv even though like for me it would probably have been a year after that i don't i feel like i wasn't really watching mtv or getting into music until maybe about a year later i was watching it a lot like for like I remember when Ghostbusters came out, like I, I had to tape the ghost, like I had an older cousin who was like really into it. So I remember yeah. I had to tape the Ghostbusters video. You know, I just had one of those VHS tapes yeah. that I taped, you know, I missed the first few seconds of every song, <laughs> just would have the VCR ready all day with my finger on the button and the song would start yeah. up and I'd get the, yeah, I had oh, like yeah. you know, some Cindy Lauper videos and, um, Ghostbusters. I'm trying to think of what other ones. Uh, Peter Gabriel, Sledgehammer, like any of the cool videos mm -hmm. of the time that I was really into. I would have them all on a VHS that I could watch whenever I wanted. See Chevy oh, yeah, Chase I with a cigarette that. at the end of the Ghostbusters video, burning the inside of his mouth and all that crazy stuff. But that was oh, yeah, always that was, um, fun doing that. Yeah, those those were the days. Yeah, just um, and, watching the watching like all afternoon or all that did you see that one video that you mm -hmm. want to get on VHS so you wouldn't have to wait around for it you just be be there with like you know your finger on the the button or like there would be some days where I just run the the yeah. tape like all day hoping that like I would just like you know needle in a haystack just <laughs> it's, catch it it's like, like a then, it's like a trawler like with a big fishing net just like scooping up whatever you got it's like oh there's a tuna <laughs> I guess I got like an old an old exactly. boots and tires <laughs> but I got that one fish um yeah it was a lot a like poison that. video <laughs> yeah exactly. yeah that one the delicious tuna that is the unskinny bop or whatever <laughs> um, <laughs> But we would, yeah, we oh, would record them all the time this. or we would record Headbangers Ball because it was on late and we just watch it the next day or whatever. And um, yeah, that, oh, that worked too. I would watch it live. Oh yeah. We, we would oh, no, watch I it would, live too. I would, oh, that, that was, oh, that was, that was my Saturday night. You know, I, I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to just go down there and like, I would, um, and, um, um, you know, my, my uh, parents' basement, you know, my room was upstairs and you remember my parents' basement. So it's just the, yep. the wood paneling mm -hmm. and the, 
you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we had the TV down there and they had a, like bookcases built into the wall. And so the TV was there and I had had like, um, I want to say I had bought like a, um, I started to make it kind of like my crash pad. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of evolved into that, right? Some furniture from the Salvation Army. Yeah, but but furniture from the Salvation Army, you know, made it really like... Yeah, the pool table down there. That dingy basement that... Wasn't there like a jacuzzi in the... in the uh, bathroom. Yeah, it was. It was like it was a it was a jacuzzi tub. It was like a bathtub, but it had the jacuzzi jets in it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it wasn't something like where we <laughs> never, could all like. I never experienced it, but it out. looked cool. <laughs> no, we could, but it wasn't like one of those round hot tubs where we could all like hang around in it. It would have just been like super weird. <laughs> it, was it, it was like it was like a one person jacuzzi, right? Like it was. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't. Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't want to make it sound like you had like a hot tub down there, but yeah, it was a one person. Yeah, if two people got in there, it would have yeah. been very awkward, very quick. <laughs> Yeah, or or very but, exciting, um, depending but, on which two people got in there. <laughs> Woo, hey, right. oh. But um, <laughs> but um, the um, I, I would just go down there like every Saturday night and like kind of like you know my you know as like I said I made it my crash pad man cave whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, started bringing my instruments and stuff down there, mm-hmm. and I would just like watch like you know just turn off the lights and like watch Headbangers Ball like um, uh, mm-hmm. and um, you know when I had my my um my walkman too and at the same time like at like um i think it was midnight 11 o'clock whatever they would also do uh locally here the metal zone oh okay was that waf 94 hjy oh hjy 94 hjy was the metal zone yeah which was a a local metal show uh which was done by a local uh metal guy the dr metal (laughs) there you go that's um, i mean that those are the credentials you need doctor yeah he was the doctor he's like it's the doctor you know and uh turned out that he was um you know sadly one of the many that uh perished in the um station yeah oh it's terrible but um but back in then like you know the the headbangers ball and him hosting that local show i would like literally have like the headphones on one ear Mm -hmm. listening to that show for the songs that i liked and watching mtv (laughs) for the videos that i liked and when one wasn't like I don't I don't know what in the world I did when both of like two, if two things came on that I liked but if there was like a song on that I'd like I'd have the headphones on while I'm watching TV and they you know there'd be like you know maybe a video on that I wasn't interested in and then when there was like something else going on the headphones I'd take them down or have one ear on and watch a video that I liked it was just like you know yeah, that's you were, how you had you to do doing, it back then cuz that was the only time you were doing work you could get like anything the, <laughs> it was the only time you, with the headphones and every other Oh thing. yeah like I Oh, yeah, because, I mean, right, think about it, right? It's just, like, especially, like, back then, it didn't have, like, really any money to, like, buy albums. You know, there wasn't any streaming where you could have everything ready at your fingertips, uh, you know, on your phone or anything. So it's, like, that was the only time I could consume, like, as much of the my type of music, the music that I loved, Um, you know. So that was it. All right, and um, before we get to our Q&A segment which I had um, reached out for a bunch of questions. I can't remember if I said that at the beginning of the show, but I reached out for a bunch of questions for from folks and got a ton. So we go to a little Q&A after this. But before that, we have to thank our core level patrons. At the $6.66 tier, Richard Fusey. At the $5.99 nice price tier, we have Fielding Fowler. 
At the $5 money lender tier, Greg Sealby, John Confrey, Arthur Smith, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Kenny Wymore, Jesper Alman, Oleksi the Perfect Stranger, Slipakov, James North, Mark Hodgetts, and Kev Roberts. And at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier, Peter Gardot, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Anton Glaving, Will Porter, Andrew Meyer, Duncan Leesk, Stuart McCord, and Dr. Jill Brees. And Andrew Meyer, the doctor as well. Thank you to all of you for your support. We appreciate it. All right. So I got a pretty good number of questions here. Um, I don't even know if we'll be able to get to them all, but um, I just saw one. Pick some good ones. I just saw one pop in off of, um, I hadn't checked Instagram. So on Instagram, we got the following question. Uh, if I can find it. Uh, Simon Berglund asks, if you could change one event in Deep Purple's history, what would it be and why? What do you think? Hmm. Oh boy, that's a, that's a tough one. I think, I mean, I think I've got an answer. Wait, you go then. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think it would have to be the uh, the death of Tommy Bolin. I think that that's a, um, you know, a, a terrible human tragedy and a great loss to music and something we've talked about a bunch, which is what would have happened. I mean, you could do all the other things of, you know, what if they, what if Mark II had sticked together and all this sort of stuff. But I, I think that's all kind of pipe dreams, like. If, like we've talked about in other episodes, if if Richie hadn't left at X time, he would have left some other time. I don't think those those things could have been fixed. But Tommy Bolin getting the help that he needed, or or, or figuring out a way to to, to get get past his his troubles with uh, substances, if he could have if he could have survived and and gotten past that, and obviously it probably wouldn't have even had anything to do with Deep Purple because they probably never would have done anything together again. Or maybe way in the future they would, but I think just having him be around and make more great music and see what he would have come up with would have been something great. Mm. Yeah, I guess because um, I was thinking about it because I'm like, is there something that I like? I always think, is there something that I'm missing? You know, like, am I going to take an easy way out type of thing? But it's funny because I was thinking about something similar um, in that, um, what if mark four didn't end yeah. or if they didn't end after mark four like say tommy boland did pass away and um how we talked about on some of our other episodes that white snake actually wasn't white snake in the early days it just turned into deep purple mark five yeah mm -hmm. um which i mean it almost did i mean if you think about it i mean it was um i mean just say that like John Lord and Ian Pace had a little more input than Coverdale did. I mean, I'm sure that the material wouldn't have sounded so, you know, much like White Snake, which was obviously really Coverdale heavy. But I think that would have been interesting if there was no gap from 76 to 84 in the Deep Purple history, if they had gone with the the uh, the Mark IV lineup and maybe gotten a different guitar player, mm -hmm. like uh, maybe one of the people that we had talked about that were on the the roster for you know them uh you know joining them that you know never did yeah that would be uh very interesting as well um 
uh, Duncan Leesk asks, um, which member or X member of Deep Purple do you think you could get an interview with? Supplementary question, same as above, but for split bands, or is that giving away the game too much? So, who do you think? I think we who could get think? an interview with Don Airy. You, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, who do they think it's it's most possible that we could get an interview with? Um, I don't know. In my in my mind, I always thought that either David Coverdale or Glenn Hughes would be the most accessible, just because they're so they seem so accessible on social media. Yeah. And I mean, Cover, Coverdale and Hughes have actually interacted with us on the Twitter account before, mm-hmm. um, or with you rather. Um, I mean, making comments, but it just, it kind of makes me think like, okay, they, they notice the podcast, they notice us. So I wonder if they would ever reach out or if they would ever consider it one day. Cause I mean, that's kind of how it happens with podcasts is like a couple of fans just, start doing a podcast and before you know it, they're like, Hey, I got a phone call from, you know, insert name here. Yeah. That's really cool. So, um, I don't know about any of the other band member or former band members, you know, with the exception of Don Airy. Um, I mean, I think, I mean, we have, uh, you know, our good friend, Norman, uh, to thank for getting us the uh, Don Airy mm-hmm. interview. But I think if we tried, harder we could but we've never really made it the goal of our of the show or of us doing this to have um people on the show we've had some great guests you know like ray fenwick and mo foster and don airy and all these other great guys it's been a lot of fun talking to them um but it's not really like what our show is we're not like an interview show so um right i think if it was our mission and our goal to get some of these guys, I think we could probably get if we lobbied hard enough, maybe we could get something with um, we could get Roger Glover on or something. And if it, that's one of those things, it's kind of in in my mind's been if, if it happens, it happens and it'll be awesome. But it's not something like I've actively pursued because it's right. more like us talking about and reacting to our history with the band more so than interacting with the band themselves. Um, I mean, the Don. That being said, the Don Airy interview was like a highlight for me. It was so much fun, and he was such mm-hmm. a nice guy and such a great and gracious uh, guy to, to be on the show with us, and it was a load of fun. And if anyone else popped up that way, I would move things around to make it happen for us. Oh, yeah. But uh, apart from that, like, uh, it, it, I, th- I think we, we, don't, we don't try all that hard for it. So, but, if it, but if it happens, it would be cool. So Yeah. Um. Bill Berry asks, uh, during album reviews, why do you keep the sound of the music so low compared to your voices? Um, so uh, basically, I know Bill's been a listener since like pretty much day one. I think he's probably the first person that ever commented on anything we did on like one of the first uh, things like on the actual website. I was like, oh, my God, somebody responded. Uh, but it was early on, like after our first episode or second episode or something. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to think that the that the production of that has gotten better. But I think my kind of what I have now, what I run now is basically a, a, a simple uh, side chain compressor, which means um, is a compressor on the audio track. And when you or I speak, the, the, the volume of the music ducks down. And when we stop speaking, the, vo- the volume of the music pops back up. Um, I think at first, when we first started doing that, um, 
what I would do is keep the music kind of low overall. And I think now, though, it's more of kind of a regular volume. It's not intended to be full volume uh, at all times when we're not talking, but it's it's supposed to be a little bit lower in the mix. But um, uh, Bill, if you have any like more more specific feedback, let me know if there's anything that's making it difficult to listen to um, for what I listen to. And if I try listening to it in the car or in the highway or anything, it seems to work well for me now. But different people in different um scenarios could maybe you're having trouble listening so let me know if you've got any feedback on that um roger maybank says um could you create your uh, uh could you create your perfect five-piece deep purple lineup from the 13 members of featured in the band down through the years oh boy i know right? i feel like we've feel like we've had this some a similar question before yeah I don't remember how I answered it though. <laughs> it's a really hard one. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, um, uh, well, I mean, it's e oh like drums are easy, right? It's got to be Ian Pace. And then you've only got two choices keyboards for keyboards. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. I, I think, I, I think we did this once before, maybe when Scott was on, and it was. I think what I might have done, and I don't remember who I picked, but was just kind of mix it up as much as possible. So I think I went like Ian Pace on drums, Don Airy on keyboards, Tommy Bolin on guitar. Um, would have to be Roger. Well, Nick Simper on bass, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And Joe Lynn Turner on vocals. Just something to just make it completely all over the place. Um, so that, uh, you know, just be more interesting. Because I honestly, I think if you start doing that, you're just creating... Uh, a mark you know like oh mark i just i create mark four or create mark three or something like that well yeah because my my first um um kind of thing is to just go and just be like well you know mark three yeah because i mean to me that was probably you know the, the perfect band mm -hmm. um but I mean, I love Mark too, you know, then I start thinking about him like, oh, I love Mark too as well. So it's like, what would I do? Maybe, I don't know, a couple of different scenarios, I guess, because it's, it's just, it's too hard. It's too hard yeah. to think about it. But maybe like a scenario would be like maybe Mark three, but swap out Glenn Hughes for Roger Glover. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think would be interesting. Um, same thing with like, um, Swapping out uh, Coverdale for um, Ian Gillen in uh, Mark III. Mm -hmm. um, but you see, that I can see happening because I think Richie is the constant in there. Once you get into Mark IV with Tommy Bolin, I couldn't imagine having those other two guys in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so those, those make the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, which I think would be interesting. I don't know if it would be my dream band because I feel like Deep Purple almost is my dream band because we've had like so many different bands, yeah, band members call themselves Deep Purple. We've gotten like such a great um like cross section of music over the years. It's it's never really been kind of the same thing, which is why they're so interesting. Yeah, it's um it's really difficult for me. Because like there's so much that if you bring Coverdale in, it's like having Hughes there with him creates this like certain magic. But it would be interesting to do something like like a standard Mark II lineup with Ian Pace, John Lord, and Richie Blackmore. 
but then bringing in you know Roger Glover and, or, and David Coverdale to replace Gillen, or putting switching Don Airy and um, Don Airy and John Lord, and, and having a Coverdale Mark II lineup, or there, there's so many different things you could do. But yeah, I don't know that I could create the perfect five piece because I feel like each each configuration would 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 create something different and would they'd all be pretty special just like all the marks are to me mm-hmm. all right um arjun mohan writes jolin turner's version of the battle rages on got my attention was it ever recorded were there any other songs by joe on his solo album that came from there uh blood red sky sounds like a deep uh, deep purple song and one man's meat becomes stroke of midnight so i'm not i don't think as familiar with jlt's uh, solo stuff to say i know that from what i understand they did record jolyn turner's vocals but ian gillen came in and just re-recorded all over all of them to make basically new songs for um for the battle rages on so mm. Uh, that's as as far as I know, but I, again, I don't. Uh, um, from what I remember reading, that's how it happened. But um, if it was recorded, it was probably recorded over. And I think the fact of the matter is, if if those vocals even do exist anywhere, I think there's very little chance Deep Purple would or management would ever authorize those being released because that pretty much Gillen coming back in the band kind of solidified that he was Deep Purple. And that there was going to be no, like, all of this kind of musical chairs nonsense was going to end with Gillen coming back and Blackmore going out. And it's been, for all, like, the little things that have happened, it's been very stable for the past 25 years in that, or, mm. God, almost 30 years with that configuration. Yeah. So, um, And it was anything but stable up until that point. Um, uh, the Good Doctor, Jill Brees. Um, meet my friend from the National Health, Dr. Brees, says, do you intend to follow a chronological pattern with DPP or will you jump around more timelines in Deep Purple Tree? Well, I mean, I think we've, um, we've, uh, I've often called it kind of um, quasi chronological. You know, we've tried to kind of go along this way, but we do jump around a lot here and there it is there is an element of it to just kind of whatever we're feeling like at the moment but um we're kind of it's almost like this kind of circ this kind of it's kind of like a wheel almost like the wheels uh, rolling around and around but but still moving forward so we're kind of you know mm-hmm. just going through through everything but you know who knows next week we could cover something from the 60s again um you don't really know you, you never really know but it's it's mostly chronological i would say I think it makes it more interesting to to jump around. Um, I, I think we're being chronological with Deep Purple um, because we're not like uh, we're not jumping ahead like we did Perfect Strangers. We're not going to you know jump to do Bananas next. We're doing those albums in order, but in between doing those albums, we're kind of jumping around eras and stuff because uh, you know stuff like even today's episode was just one of those things that we were like, Hey, I just discovered this or thought of this. That would be a fun idea. And it's more about keeping it fun and fresh than uh, just kind of like, I feel like it would be like plotting through like, Oh, we got to do the, you know, like at first we were like, all right, we got to do all the Mark (laughs) one albums. And uh, you know, it's like breaking it up just kind of makes it like, um, 
a little more interesting, you know, plus you're not like, okay, like for the next year, I'm going to have to sit through the, the, the seventies until we yeah. can get to some of my favorite stuff from the eighties, you know, this way, every, everything just kind of gets a chance. And, you know, I think it keeps it engaging. I mean, it does for us, especially. Yeah. It's, and it's good to have that freedom to know that we could jump around whenever we want. And like we did, you know, we did whoosh when it came out just because it had just come out. So it seemed, it seemed kind of weird to be a deep purple podcast and we're coming in at the very, very tail end of the band's history than to just see like a brand new album and then not talk about it for <laughs> two years. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That wouldn't, yeah, no, no way. So we jumped ahead obviously and did that, but um Alan ain't too proud to beg says you can borrow a time machine once and once only which gig purple or family tree are you going back to? Oh man. I feel like we've had this question before too. Mm, Maybe. Um, I don't know if I would say that's, oh, this is hard. I feel like it's um, a cop out, but I would say the, the Denmark 72 era, mm-hmm. I think would be, that, that was the first one that I saw when I was just like, wow. And even when we were watching it, it was just like seeing Deep Purple on this kind of small stage with just the amps and, you know, people kind of sitting behind and like, you know, like, it just a kind of a small auditorium type place. Like how many people did we say it fit? Like 3,000? Yeah, so like three or 4,000, something three like that. Three or 4,000. Yeah, like to see them in that kind of that kind of venue yeah. um, at that time, Mark II, like as much as I love the other Marks and I could I could say their, their final show, their very first show is Roundabout. I mean, any of that stuff would be cool. I love the really early stuff. Like if people ask me that about Kiss, I would say like one of their first shows, like in Long Island or something, you know, mm-hmm. before they were, when there were like five people in the audience and people were like, oh, why wouldn't you go to like Madison Square Garden or something? It's because like, I love that stuff. I love that. Like, I mean, if you had a time machine, why wouldn't you go back to like, right. I don't know when, like, like, would you want to go back to like when the, the, the Beatles first had their first rehearsal together as the band that everybody knew? I mean, why would you want to go see them at like, um, well, especially know, going to see them at something that was already like well documented at the time, you know, like you could say yeah, exactly. for this, you could say California Jam, but it's like, well, we've got this great. Uh, what are the chances my seats would be better <laughs> seats or my standing room would be better than what we have on video? Right. You know, it's right, right. Uh, like I, I would say I would say that like I, I, I have that kind of fly on the wall approach, you know, like I'd love to be there before the band blew up or when mm-hmm. they were still like on the on the verge of releasing the new album. So if it wasn't the Denmark 72 show was definitely that tour or that era. Like I would love to see, love to have seen a show there because it was just still so new and so raw. Yeah. I mean, I think I would pick, um, I would pick the butterfly ball concert at the Royal Albert hall. Um, Mm. even though, well, partially because it's only partly documented and I wouldn't have to see any, people dressed as woodland creatures and (laughs) just think of the talent that was on that stage at the time. All of the people that we've talked about time and time again, loving everyone from you've got, you've got Glover, you've got Lord, you've got Gillen, you've got Eddie Harden, you've got Coverdale Hughes. Um, 
uh, just the list goes on and on. Ray Fenwick, Mo yeah. Foster, Les Binks, uh, the whole Martin Ford Orchestra, just um, probably leaving, you know, John Law and all these guys just in one concert. And Twiggy, for God's sake. Um, you know, you've got everyone uh, on this one stage uh, at the end. Tony Ashton, it's everyone just just it, it looked like such a fun time. Um, I would that, that would be my pick. I've said it before. And, um, I, you know, there's if we're if we are extending it to the purple family tree, like Alan says, that's that's what I'm picking. Um, Kev Roberts says. Ian Pace is the only member of Deep Purple who hasn't been replaced. If that had ever happened, who would be your choice to fill his boots? Mm. Oh, boy. Oh, this is a hard. This is way harder than it seems like it should be. Yeah, I know. Um, you know what? Honestly, like the first the first name that pops into my mind is Bobby Caldwell from Captain Beyond. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, he really was. I mean, when we were doing the Captain Beyond episodes, like I didn't really know who he was yep. or any of that stuff. But then when I realized how, um, first of all, what a great drummer he was, and second of all, how instrumental he was in the band, like when he left and came back and it was just kind of like, um, he, he was kind of like that missing link. It's just one of those, like, you don't really see a ton of bands where the drummer is like the deciding factor and like, oh, the, the sound was different when they weren't there. Um, you could say that about a handful of drummers, um, John Bonham, like, you know, people that were really influential like that. Um, I think he was one of those guys, um, and never really got, uh, you know, um, too much notoriety or, or recognized or whatever. But I mean, I, I think that's a more interesting choice than saying like somebody famous, you know, mm -hmm. or that, that got famous or more recognized. That's a, that is a really, really good um selection i don't know that i can top that one the only th the mm. ones that just coming up to me are like people like cozy or something but i feel like that's kind of a i don't know boring answer um i don't really know who else at the time i mean there's so many great like somebody like simon phillips maybe even but i mean he was so he was so good on that early Coverdale stuff and in everything that he's done. That'd be interesting, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm liking Bobby Caldwell, but, but it's, it's also such a big stylistic thing too, that it would be interesting to see someone like Pacey, who's less of a, or a contributing writer in the band and Caldwell's got so many ideas. Where would, what, what direction would he have pushed them in and during which era having him come in too. So. I feel like it was really like uh, energetic, drummer too like when you listen to him play on those albums like i i get that kind of same i mean they're different drummers of course but i get that same like early energy that ian pace had too because i mean i just remember going back to the the denmark concert which was like i think the first time that i saw like you know any visuals of them i just remember just being like holy crap like this like, remember we were watching it, we're like, how can he be doing this drum solo, like, at this intensity level for so long, aside from the fact that he was, like, what, 20, right, early 20s or whatever, and he probably had limitless energy, but it's, like, still, you're like, whoa. Yeah. And um, I feel like, you know, um, Caldwell brought that. Yeah. That's that's the same type of intensity. That's a great one. Uh, Joe, Sabbath fans, asks... Um, out of all the what if scenarios with purple, such as new purple continuing, Richie never leaving, Bolin album two, etc., which do you wish would have happened more than the others? 
after some of our mm. what if, our many what ifs that we've done. I mean, I'll go. I I would say this a second Mark Two. I'm so, I'm sorry, a second Mark Four album with Bolin. Um, mm. it'd just be amazing to to see. Like we talked about way back when, when after we went into the first albums of all the all the Deep Purple guys when after the '76 breakup, just just think of what Bolin was working on solo, Coverdale Hughes, all of those guys working on solo to bring that all together and meld them together would have just been so interesting to see where they went with that. But it would have depended on a mm. lot of factors, like mostly you know wow. Hughes and Bolin being uh, able to participate um, in a way that they could collaborate with everyone. So, I mean, I don't want to be that guy, (laughs) but um, I would say like, if, if Richie never left, Mm -hmm. like, I think that would be really interesting because I'm definitely not the like, you know, no Blackmore, no purple Mm -hmm. person. So you're thinking Um, like a third Mark three album instead of a second Mark four album. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just continuing on because he did so many interesting things with, uh, with rainbow. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, obviously his talent never diminished. He never stopped coming up with great ideas. Um, and it was, it was really great to hear him do it with different people. Like you, like we had talked about when we had, um, um, reviewed the different rainbow albums, like, wow. Like you can hear like, you know, JLT singing here, you know, does this or like Glover's producing or the bass or, you know, Rondinelli's drums or whatever. And it was like, but you can still, the constant is still Richie, like that songwriting, that like that classic Richie, like you can identify his songwriting, his guitar parts, like made it kind of that constant. And to, to wonder what it would be like if Richie had stuck around, like if, if Richie was like in Mark four, mm-hmm. you yep. know, if, if Richie had, uh, you know, joined, uh, you know, instead of um, um, instead of like Mickey Moody was the guitar player in White Snake, and that was Mark Five or Mark Six or whatever. Like, what would that have brought on? You know, just ha- and having that be Deep Purple. Yeah, you know? it'd be interesting seeing like Richie taking the Man in the Silver Mountain riff and working it with Purple, and what would Coverdale have come up with? But it's all at the same time you're like, oh, but then we wouldn't have Man in the Silver Mountain. Like, I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> But, right, right. But not like, I mean, not even revisionist history type yeah. of stuff or like, or, or like destroying the timeline. But like, what if Deep Purple was always like, because I mean, like the biggest thing is, is like, you know, between him, him and Ian Gillen is, is like, no Blackmore, no Purple, no mm-hmm. Gillen, no Purple, whatever. So let's just say that Richie never left. I think that would be, because that would have been... um like there are so many other bands where you have that one, one or two original members. And I mean, you know, Lord and Pace are obviously really distinctive too, but I mean, with them and Richie being like kind of the core members and maybe some of the other ones changing, like would Deep Purple have, you know, from 76 to 84 been like, what would they have put out? Would would have been like a more consistent thing? Would, would the new Deep Purple have ever happened? Probably not. Probably not. At least they wouldn't have had the same legal rationale, the same weak legal rationale they had to why why they could do it. Oh, it was nobody was using the name. Yeah. So I think that that would have been that would have been cool to see, like, what would have happened if, um, you know, that was one of those scenarios, kind of like a Tony Iommi scenario 
where he was the he, he was the guitar player through all the albums and he was the one that carried on the Sabbath name, mm-hmm. you know, through all the different incarnations and everything. What if Richie had done that? Well, just under the one And another band. thing just struck me, what if they did never split up like you said earlier, they never split up 76 to 84 and there was no new Deep Purple? Would Rod have ever kind of crept out and done some other thing and maybe gotten back into it? And we could have had some more great Rod music or resurrected Captain Beyond or something, you know, like there, there's so many like different possibilities. And 1980 uh, Captain Beyond Mark One resurrection would have been really interesting, too. But Right. So that that spawns a whole bunch of different questions or scenarios or whatever. So it's all cool to think about. All right, um, Davi Liao, I believe is how you said, uh, been co- uh, conversing with him on Twitter for I don't even know how long, but I don't know how to pronounce the name. So hopefully I'm getting that right. Davi Liao, um, you guys, do you guys ever plan on revisiting Woosh? Maybe after doing all the albums up to Infinite? Well, I will say, well, we usually don't give too much away about what like our upcoming episodes are, but we did talk about on the one year anniversary of whoosh doing a revisit uh, because, and probably not like a full, like listen to every single song all the way through, et cetera. Like we have in the past, but um, I, I feel like doing a first reaction to that was fun, but maybe we didn't give it a, as fair a shake as we could have. And mm-hmm. I know that after listening to that for weeks and weeks after that episode, I'm thinking back to our ratings and being like, Oh, I think we were not that we were, we weren't, we weren't, we didn't trash anything, but, but I think our, our ratings seemed lower than I would give them after repeated lessons. I felt that that really built up in my mind. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, look for that coming this August, a whoosh revisit. Uh, we can talk about um, how the albums sat on us after, after a year, because I haven't listened to it in a little bit, but I did listen to it quite a bit throughout August and September of last year. Um, um, George Baumbach is asking us uh, well, something we've covered in the show before, but we could talk about briefly, which is how did you guys become Deep Purple fans yourself? Well, I think we've we've talked about it yeah. quite a bit, but, um, you know, the short version is actually you like just hear about it on the very first episode. That's right. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the short version is, is just kind of like getting, getting into them, like through <clears throat> osmosis almost, you know, through all the other bands that we were into. I mean, I know I got into them just from being into that type of music and reading that the bands that I liked influences were among other people, deep purple. So I'm like, well, all right, well, I mean, if the bands that I liked in the eighties were like naming them as an influence and they were showing up as like, you know, Machine Head was showing up as like, you know, they would do the polls and everything yep. like that, like top 10 rock albums of all time. And they'd have that. And, and actually like Deep Purple influences showed up a bunch of times because the first Rainbow album would show up and those. And so I'm like, all right, these guys have got to be badass. And plus, you know, you would see like, you know, Ronnie with his Ronnie Dio with his 70s look and Richie with the Pilgrim hat. And you're just like, especially Ronnie, you know, because I knew him from Dio. So I'm like, well, that you know, was he was like. He was around back then, and so, of course, it was the curiosity that got me. And then, you know, of course, the the music was obviously phenomenal, so that just led down that whole rabbit hole. So it was just, 
just being into music, just being into rock music and looking at my band's influences. Yeah, I, I um, talked about it uh, on our Jesus Christ Superstar episodes, but yeah, I got into Jesus Christ Superstar and when Paul, our friend and guest host on those episodes, and I discovered that Jesus was also in a band. We were like, whoa, this band must be awesome. So we got some albums by that band, and it turns out the band was awesome. And it all went uh, uphill from there. Um, Derek and Dave Philpot write in with, they, they send an image, and they say, <laughs> they say, um, is this a better album cover? And it's the, um, <laughs> it's the Deep Purple Machine Head album cover, but they've, they've photoshopped it so it says deep purple tuning peg <laughs> which i really like for some reason um i think it's good i i like it i think it's uh i think machine head is a little ambiguous like if you're not if you're not familiar with the parts of the guitar you might not know them, but tu- tuning peg everyone can figure that out so i like it explained explained <laughs> in plain english for some people um our good friend Steve Hunt, who is always active on Twitter and on Facebook, says, do you guys envision a Deep Purple podcast meetup someday somewhere? Love this question. I would I would love to. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, I've, I've heard of so many uh, podcasts doing that, like hosting a meetup. Like, uh, I mean, God willing, we can... I'll go to, I'll go to bars and stuff again soon. Like, you know, uh, being like, yeah, we're going to be at this bar from this time to this time. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, rent out the back room or like, you know, talk to the bar and be like, Hey, can we have a meetup? Because I mean, they do it for, they do it for other podcasts, other bands Mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, you know, I can't tell you the number of kiss ones that I've been to, you know, where it's, it's like, it's so easy and it's so much fun because, you know, (laughs) you get to just, talk to so many like-minded people, but you know, Nate and I would have to be in the same state. <laughs> Which hasn't happened in a long time, but it would yeah. be, um, I mean, yeah, it would absolutely be great at the, the, the obvious challenges being that our listeners are all over the world. Uh, the probably the most obvious spot to do it would be somewhere, you know, in new England, given the fact that we've got probably a few listeners around there, but yeah, obviously there, it would be hard to do one meetup where everyone could come uh, even if they wanted to, but yeah, yeah, I I would say when we get through all of this uh, COVID stuff and, or at least it gets better with the COVID stuff and travels a little bit more open then yeah, whenever we can, you know, if John happens to make his way down here, I make my way over to him, then we could probably get something out there and say, Oh, we're going to do something at this time. Um, I'd probably be traveling with my entire family, so it might not be super easy, but would love to, uh, would love to entertain that if it's possible for sure. I mean, I would, I would see it happening probably more like in, you know, the Chicago area, if I came to see you, because it would be, feel like it would be easier for us to get away if you weren't like on vacation with your, your whole brood, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, but I mean, you know what, even if it were a thing where it was like, you know, five people showed up or whatever, it would still be worth it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would probably, yeah. If we went to, if we did the thing in say, uh, in Rhode Island, you know, we, we might be able to get, you know, Peter and Rich and Mark and a few other people to, to, to come check, to check us out. But yeah, it would, it, it would, 
it would probably be a pretty small hang up, but even that would be a ton of fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just but a, you never just know a, too. You could put it out there and find out that there's, Oh, there's people that listen to the show that don't comment on social media or aren't really in contact with us all the time. And then all of a sudden you get a few more people than you even banked on showing up. So, because I, you know, exactly. you look, there's so many people we talk with every day and on social media and people that email us and, message us on Facebook and everything, but then you look at the numbers of people that listen to the show and how many people that listen don't have never contacted us in any way or said anything in any way. So imagine oh, yeah. imagine if more of those people showed up. That would be great. It'd be like, oh I've been listening since day one. I've never said anything. Oh cool. Glad to meet you. Um yeah, I mean you know how many podcasts I listen to that I I don't, you know, comment oh, or sure. really interact with. But I mean if they like said like, hey, we're gonna be in the area, I would just be like, Oh, awesome. I wanna go. Yeah, it'd be great to meet people that we that that would know us. They would know us better than we would know them. And then there'd be this these other people that I feel like we know them in real life because we talk to them every day. Um and that's always exciting too. Um uh Ariel S N writes uh wait. Is this the one? Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the possibility to bring Coverdale, Gillen, and Hughes together in a show? I know it sounds as unreachable dream, but it would be good to know your opinion. I am from Cuba, and I follow your profile. Oops, I just backed out of it. Okay. I follow your profile every day. I think you guys are doing a great job. So thank you, first of all. Um, I think hmm. we had the opportunity to do this at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. It seems like very yeah. unlikely that management would allow it to happen. Um, what do I think of it? <clears throat> I think it would be great to do some sort of, you know, every living member of Deep Purple on stage and doing some sort of big medley where they go from from hush all the way through through whoosh from hush to whoosh. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's it's obviously I, I. What do I think of the possibility? I think it's pretty much non-existent. As, but as far as the idea, I love it. I would love to see it. Yeah. It would be it would be heartwarming as a fan to see something like that, like some show of unity and just celebrating all that music. Um, I think uh, uh, that the that cover band Strange Kind of Women did a great job of doing that with like a they did this big medley that included Burn and Perfect Strangers and all this sort of stuff, and that was like really really cool. Um, that's probably the closest we're going to get. And they did an amazing job with it. But I, the, the actual members of the band, I mean, I just don't think it would ever happen. Yeah, I think scenarios like that are always, uh, you know, a, a, like a great dream, a great hope for fans. But yeah, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I, I always think about it in the way that I have interacted with people over my lifetime and uh, because I mean, we're all people, you know yeah. what I mean? And it's just like, if somebody was like, oh, would you want to get back together with all these people from your past or whatever and have a reunion or whatever? Like, you know, I'm just kind of like, eh, why? Yeah, you know? <laughs> I still haven't, I still haven't gone to a high school reunion. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't be, I, mm. I, I can't really hold it against them, but or it'd be, it's more kind of like, I, I think Ian Gillen uses the uh, analogy of like ex-wives, you know, like, yeah, would you like hey, would you want to yeah. just do one big show where all your ex-wives got up on stage and you could all like, you know, go through the the history of your relationships? I'm like, nah, no, thanks. <laughs> and I mean, if you think about it, too, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, Gillen and Coverdale and Hughes were all in the same band, but not all at the same time. And right. like they they're nowhere near like the same type of musical compatibility. Like I couldn't picture like like Hughes and Gillen. <laughs> like 
together, yeah. like in any scenario, as, as diverse as both of them have been, like in their solo careers, like to use that as an example, like I couldn't picture them on stage because they're just like together because they're not, it just, it, it doesn't seem to fit. And I mean, they were, to be fair too, they were never in Deep Purple at the same time. Right. So um, I just like, I don't know. I, I think it, like I'm with you, it sounds like a nice idea, but I think there are just too many things like practical things you know, from, from their point of view that are keeping it from like not happening. So. Yep. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely, uh, yeah, definitely it. Um, we've got, did I get the one? I did get that one on Instagram. Um, and then a few on Facebook here. Um, Oh, Norman Weichelbaum, our good friend, um, says, you guys have been in a band together, right? Let's hear some of your stuff. Oh, boy. Well, there is, um, I did put an Easter egg at the end of the last episode because I did mention how that, uh, that uh, uh, Tony Ashton, John Lord song kind of inspired me to write the that first song in the album so i did put a little snippet of that song so if you listen to the last episode at the very end of the episode you'll hear a little bit of a snippet of that that song uh just to show what i was talking about musically and about how i was either inspired by or ripping off that riff from that song so you can check that out as far as more stuff like that yeah maybe we do a special episode where we could break down some of our old songs <laughs> i don't know if anybody wants to hear that <laughs> Uh, it could be fun, uh, but yeah, it actually the, the the thing that would prevent me from doing that the most is having the the process I had to go through to just like mix down that song just so I could tack it at, like just a little few second snippet of it. I was like, oh, what a pain in the ass! <laughs> more than <laughs> I can imagine. More than anything, that would uh, slow me down. Um, the one and only Jerry Bloom writes the the, the amazing prolific uh, author of so many great. Deep Purple books that are behind me on this bookshelf. Amazing to have Jerry Bloom write, but he says, if you had to be stuck on a desert island with one of Deep Purple, who would you prefer it be? So I'm assuming you members members of Deep Purple. So who would you want to? Yeah. I think I know who you'd want to hang out with. <laughs> but say it. Coverdale? <laughs> of course. Oh, <laughs> uh, he seems like he'd be such a good time. I can't like, I can't like, how could you not? Yeah. Because I mean, he's like, he's. I don't know. I feel like I'd be the most compatible with him. He's like, he's seems like he'd be fun. He likes to, he likes to laugh and drink and make music and be cheeky. And, you know, that's my choice. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a great choice. And, and with, to, to avoid running the risk of saying the same thing, I, I would have to, I would say John Lord, cause he's so, intelligent and smart i feel like you could just you could just listen to him and get wrapped up in his wisdom and his his great stories and he's also like funny and just charming so i i think he'd be another really great selection um all right uh darren brock asks about um so he wants the episodes to be shorter <laughs> so we do get this we do get this <laughs> oh. sometimes so i uh, you know some people 
ask for their episodes to be shorter. And then when we make shorter episodes, people say, um, oh, this wasn't long enough. My commute is whatever. But so I guess I don't I have a hard time understanding that because some people do like longer episodes or short episodes because they say my commute's longer or whatever. But I guess like my thing is like when you I don't for me, I just listen to a uh, you know, I listen to a lot of longer podcasts in the hour and a half, two hour, whatever range, and I just pause them and go about my stuff and pick them back up where I left off. So, I mean, whether they're broken up into smaller segments or not, I guess not. I guess it comes from the conversational nature of this. It's not nothing yeah. scripted. So we just if we get into conversation, we get into it and that's it. Um he also asked about the music being a little bit louder. So um, he says, I know you want to talk over it, but we also want to hear it. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the at the end of the day, if you want to listen to the music, you should probably just listen to the music. Um, but uh, as far as it being louder, uh, let us know if you have specific episodes, because I do try to kind of keep uh, keep that at a good volume when we're not talking and then duck it down so that we can speak over it. But obviously the idea is to give you a taste of what the music is if you're not familiar with it and if you are familiar with it you're you're not distracted by the music and we can kind of talk so um so there you go uh thank you darren and then was there any others in this i think there's one more here uh, oh yeah mike uh mike ladano is asking us um He's at, well, I, I guess he's asking me for beard grooming tips, <laughs> which, um, yeah, I don't uh, I don't know if you want tips from me. My tip is every, I don't know, three months when I get annoyed, I trim it and then I shave my neck like once every three months. That's my those are my some of my tips. I don't use any beard oils or any of that nonsense. <laughs> Nate the hipster. Yeah. <laughs> Although I did get one, I got a free sample of one once. It was like sarsaparilla uh, yeah. scented. This is like it was like it actually smelled really nice, but it was just a little weird, like beard oil. I don't know. That seems kind of weird. Um, <laughs> our, our good friend Rich says, uh, assuming someone had never met the band, what one Deep Purple song could you play for them that would give them the best feel or understanding of what the band is all about? Hmm. I feel like he and I have had this conversation before, like, um, cause he had asked me one time when I was over, like, what, what kiss song would you play that most represents them? Because he wanted me to play that for him. Mm. And I like immediately jumped to one of them. So what song was it? And, um, it was, I think it was, uh, take me from rock and roll over. Okay. It was like the most, like, I think representative of them, like in their, in their prime. Um, although some people would probably actually I've had some people argue argue me on that one, but you know, that's what that's what us music fans love to do is disagree with each other. No, my <laughs> my opinion's better. Um Your but, opinion's um, wrong. But um let me see, Deep Purple. Um You know what? Off the top of my head, I would probably say like Speed King. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was uh, I was thinking Highway Star. Um, so obviously right, yeah. there's there's it's a big different. This question is a lot different than what's your favorite, right? What's your favorite song? And I don't think you do yourself any service by going to some deep cut or something from any lineup. I think you have to stick kind of I think 
Highway Star is probably the quintessential deep purple song and uh, it, gives, yeah. it gives you a good sense of what the band's about but I think I, that could also conf- if somebody doesn't know Deep Purple at all they could listen to that and then what happens when you pop on like Holy Man or whatever else from some other album they're like wait I thought you said that other song was like Deep Purple this doesn't there's right. not a common thread here because th- there were so many different changes but um, I think but to get them into it because I mean we yeah. had to have gotten into Deep Purple for some reason and I'm sure that like those radio songs we had heard before so like you know if you you would be like oh yeah like, listen to Getting Tighter it's like that's not gonna right. give you the history of Deep Purple like you know properly yeah and it doesn't sound like any other Deep Purple song so it's, it's right it's, it's it's kind of like one of my like favorites deep, but yeah, cut, it, yeah yeah you listen to that and you're just like okay I don't I don't Oh, I, I get this band. I get who they are. And then you play Demon's Eye and they're like, wait a second, what? <laughs> this isn't, this isn't uh, what I was expecting. But I, I would say like, um, I think our two choices are kind of like similar, but not. I think mine's a little harder edged, but it still has those same elements in there. Yeah, I mean, those two songs um, are very, yeah, in a way, yeah, very similar. Yeah. Yeah, because they're they're only like uh, you know a couple of albums apart, but I mean they still have they have the vocals, they have the keyboards, they have the guitars, the the driving energy. I just think yours is probably more accessible and um, definitely more played on like uh, you know classic radio and probably satellite radio now. But I mean for a reason. Yeah, and it's it's actually one of those songs I don't get tired of. I know we talked mm-hmm. about like the fatigue factor of, you know, hearing like, you know, when you hear the opening chords of smoke on the water, you're like, next. Yeah. I get a, yeah. Whereas like highway star, I always, I always have a good time listening to it. Yeah. There's something about hearing the beginning of smoke on the water that sometimes can kind of like almost annoy you, <laughs> but, but highway star. Yeah. I don't feel the same way about it, about it. Even though I think they're songs of about the same level of, as far as quality and songwriting, they're both great songs, but there's just something about smoke on the water. That's so overdone but mm-hmm. anyway that's uh, so that's the questions we got a lot of even though I just asked this morning got a ton of questions thank you for everybody for writing in some great stuff yeah um, before we close it out we do have to of course thank our foundation level patrons at the one dollar made up named here Els Murders Spacey Noodles the Petrifying Leaky Mausoleum Michael Vader, Stephen Somerville, the Concerto 1999 Fanatic, Raf Calf, and Spike the Rock Cat. Thank you so much to all of you for your contributions to the show. We really, really appreciate it. And with that, I think another episode is in the bag. Kind of a, a little half and half episode here of, of 1987 nostalgia and Q&A, but a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a nice break from the the usual... Um, album review and kind of the the format that we've kind of um, gone down the road of that we're used to the reviewing and talking about it and looking at the ratings and then uh, you know the the um, the reviews from different sources and uh, yeah that's that's a lot of fun but sometimes it's just nice to kind of kick back and you know I, I like I like this part too hearing the different scenarios or people wanting to know like what is your thoughts on this or what's your ideal this or that it's just kind of it's it's almost like a nice brain teaser kind of like oh i never thought of that yep yep always always fun and excited to hear uh all your questions so thank you so much everybody yeah and with that we will see you next week on the deep purple podcast
Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening. Well, yeah, exactly. Like, do you need a reason to have tacos? I mean, come on. I mean, Me- Mexican food is goddamn delicious. Who yep. doesn't love Taco Tuesday? <laughs>